ready to do the three, two, one. Hold on. Three, two, three, two, three, two, three, two, one. I thought we were recording. I went off. You know I do my three, two, one. You know what I'm saying? We got to give him a clap or something. You okay. Know? <laughs> All right. Three, three, two, one. Hey, babies. It's Red Summer. And it's Hanifa Walida. And we are your gay aunties. Hi. How are you? Oh, what a beautiful <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Yes, we are happy to be back and Happy to be bringing you another episode of Your Gay Aunties. Where are we now? 54. Yes! We're We're moving on. Exactly. Because we're big big on the numbers because, you know, every episode is a blessing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and people who do podcasts know that every episode is truly a a journey unto itself, you know. Um, and we're always doubly blessed when we have um, folks to um, make this uh, conversation uh, one of three folks as opposed to two. And um, yeah, I'm, yeah, we're really excited. We had a little uh, miscommunication with the time zone because yeah, I think East Coast time, and I can assume everybody lives on the East Coast. I, and I, you know, I, I got people, I got loved ones, I got you know friends I've known for over twenty years on the West Coast. And I don't know why I do that, but I'm still, do, I'm still gonna be, always be a New York girl even though I'm in Atlanta, but still the East Coast. So anyway, I assumed that Courtney Ziegler was living on the East Coast. And when I said 10 a.m., I assumed everybody was waking up at the same time as me, and that was not the case. So now we are here our Sunday afternoon in Courtney Ziegler's actual 10 (laughs) a.m. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Welcome. Yes, yes. So, you know, we're really um, excited to have um, Courtney here. We have so much to get into today. So we're going to we're going to we're going to do this academic style. This is the overview, y'all. OK, we're going to go uh, and revisit um, um, a, an incredible documentary um, um, conceived and directed and produced by Courtney Ziegler called Still Black. Um, I'm sure some of you have read it. I'm sure some of you have studied it. (laughs) Um, But I'm sure there's um, an entire generation that hasn't. Um, Courtney Ziegler and myself and Red are all filmmakers and we're filmmakers of a certain generation in the words that we we put out queer films, um, queer themed, however you want to define it, however you want to word it. We put out films um, that spoke to us, stories we wanted to tell um, independently around you know the the, the turn of the two tens <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we know generations go by in blocks of 10 all right so therefore we um are really i'm really just feel blessed to if hopefully introduce um his work um to you all so according to this date and correct me if i'm um wrong um your film um still black is to this date the only film um that is giving light to the stories of uh, black trans men? Um, It is the only, I guess, uh, feature length documentary at this point still. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to uh, chat with you guys this morning about our work and about everything that's happening now, I guess, socio-politically. Yeah, so, it is the the first and only feature length film about black trans men. There have been other short films that have come after um, mm-hmm. that have either focused on trans men in general or trans men of color, um, but still black remains the only um, 
documentary, long form documentary, which is awesome because at this point it's kind of like a cult film. Mm, I, I yeah. a cult, at least <laughs> in a friend. <laughs> um, which is awesome. So I really appreciate having been able to produce it uh, 10 years ago at this point. Wow. Um, I mean, it's so much, uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm a fan of storytelling and storytelling can be had in so many ways. Would you not mm -hmm. agree? All right, y'all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it, uh, and my love of documentary film, um, where all of us are pros with, okay, you know, um, is you're not making up a narrative, but you're formulating or you're supporting rather a narrative mm -hmm. with your direction, with direction, when you, the direction of being in the moment with the, with whoever you're interviewing, but also, you know, um, an edit in the edit room yeah. with the story that's being crafted that you were given, you know? Um, and man, the stories and still black. <sighs> I totally agree with that. <laughs> the storytelling, the, the storytelling. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. I really, um, so for anyone who hasn't seen Still Black and is listening, um, it is a documentary that profiles six uh, black trans men at various stages, I guess, of transition, um, different ages, different sexualities, um, different geographic locations um, and just how they came into their identity um, and really just focused on their stories in general. There's no kind of additional footage of people like, you know, living their mundane lives because we all <laughs> do that. <laughs> um, so it's a, specifically a talking head documentary, um, but that was very intentional. Um, at the time, I was completing my PhD in African-American studies at Northwestern University. And so just I appreciate that you bring up the, the idea of storytelling, because I think the field of African-American studies is comprised of storytelling because all mm. of the documentation has yeah. been about black people telling our stories. So that's where you know scholars are pulling from. Um, and just being an artist myself and appreciative of the art of storytelling as well, it made sense to really um excuse me to really focus on what these men had to say um it was actually i created it at a time when i was in school i was a student um at northwestern university in chicago um and i was completing my phd in uh african-american studies there and it was also a time when i was beginning my own um, medical and social transition myself so it was an opportunity. I'm a researcher, so it was an opportunity to do some research and meet other people to see kind of some kind of where do I fit in in this particular journey? What might it look like for someone like me? And so set out to make this film, which was really awesome because it was at a time when I don't think anybody was really talking about trans in the mainstream. Um, in the ways that it is now. Uh, mm -mm. No. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think. I'm gonna, I, have, I have a question, actually. So at the point that you were, that you were making the film, first of all, what, what, what span of time did it take you for to actually make the film from the point of like, I'm going to do this to it's done? Yeah, it took me a little bit under a year. 
I was um, when I was 27 years old in grad school. So I was asking about the time period because, um, you know, you also say that you was in um, as far as where you were in your own time in transitioning, you know, how, you know, the film actually making this film happen, especially in a, sh a fairly short span of time, a year, you know, how that um, fed your own story around, you know, your own transitioning. I'm curious about that. Yeah. The creative affecting reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it allowed me to ask, like, I think questions maybe other people who were, would make a film would ask. Um, so it allowed me to I was more curious, I guess, uh, with the subjects about like, you know, what happened at this point? Like, you know, not, not kind of like the surface, yeah. like offensive questions that may have mm. been, and maybe I was, you know, it was 10 years ago. So maybe I had, I had some problematic <laughs> things actually, but um, I think because it was again, part of a significant part of my own coming to terms with who I am as a person um, that I was a little bit more compassionate with the subject matter than I think that somebody wow. else wouldn't have been. And I think that that compassion has really um, lent itself to why Still Black remains a film that um, people look to for a, a representation that's missing <laughs> in other kinds of conversations of trans and things like that. So it's been a really great tool, for, again, for myself to figure out who I am um, and then craft uh, something that people may want to watch for 62 minutes of intentionality and compassion and then have that being able to now still be a sought after piece of work is really cool. Yeah, one thing, one of the things I was wondering, I know um, having been in a similar situation of having a documentary film um, for a very specific group, um, I get a lot of opportunities to hear more stories, right? Um, there are, since Alnisa came out now, a whole new generation of young people who have a completely different experience um, in, you know, it, just in their life experience than the women who were in my documentary had. Have you ever thought about like maybe expanding this or like, you know, including new stories or doing something else along this line? Mm -hmm. That's a really great point that you bring up. I, th I think even as the technology has evolved, um, the identities have evolved. <laughs> so like mm -hmm. everybody's stories are so mm -hmm. different and of, of the time span when we completed our work, which is like amazing and wild and sometimes confusing. Um, but I feel like it's like, I like to create stuff and move on. I feel like Still Black has its place and had and continues to have its place. Um, I would like someone else to make stuff. I guess people are um, doing that. I would, I would like to be included in something, honestly. <laughs> I would like to be included. I would like not to like not make it, and I would like to be asked to be in somebody's work <laughs> one day. So that's where I, I stand. <laughs> that's honest. Moment, but um, mm, like, mm. <laughs> no, I'm going to come back to the story because I just want to maybe talk if all the incredible um, mm -hmm. men that were in that uh, film, but um, uh, yeah, Lewis. He stood out to me um, in a way because um, he 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 said something that I had never heard before and that I so respected as far as the relationship that he mm -hmm. had with his wife. 
um, and her process with she, um, when they got together, they had both identified as lesbians. And, um, and then so she, her, her transitioning um, in support mm-hmm. of him and herself in this transitioning and their, in their, in their, in their marriage. And that had, they had come to an understanding that she had permission when she felt she needed to affirm her lesbian identity mm-hmm. to out him in particular situations that that's an agreement that they had together. And that's something I had never heard um, before um, in just a tr- in a trans yeah. conversation, not to say that I've been as deep as others, but mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard it before. And I really appreciate that being said mm-hmm. on film and captured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yes. that was a really, yeah. There's so many moments like that. I'm just like, man, there's like gems that I even, every time I think I revisit the film, I, I I'm a more mature, so I'm just like, wow, I never kind of even, we don't hear those different kind of perspectives and like what it has, what it means to become a different person with someone in your life who you met at a, at a different identity. Um, and that, how does that mm-hmm. affect them and that their identity is still, uh, the integrity of their identity, like how do they manage that? And so that was really kind of a really awesome uh, experience to hear that, yeah, that they're, partner would be like, I can, you know, let people know who you are so that I can remain who I am. Um, That's really cool and awesome. I appreciated the different perspectives in the film as well. And I thank you for bringing up uh, the different ways that they were, the different men were shot. Um, Because Mm. again, it was a talking head. I really just wanted to focus on the stories. I also wanted to take advantage of the idea that the gender is this there we're all doing this performance and not to get too high level academic at all but um mm-hmm. that like especially one who you know medically and socially transitions um because there are social cues that you have to do now there are things that you you know you don't have to but um if your goal and desire is to be seen as some sort of um specific identity in our society, then there may be different gestures that you have to kind of learn or different ways that you may have to sit or different ways you may have to contort your face, like all of these things. And so really focusing on body language as they told their stories, uh, as well as the idea of surveillance that we're like always being watched to see if our, you know, gender performance is actual, Um, Mm -hmm. especially as trans men, I think, who, because we don't get to publicly talk about what it is to be uh, us. Um, I think we do have a very unique way of moving throughout the world that um, uh, deserves to be appreciated. And so I think that that was really the goal with um, taking advantage of, yeah, again, just having people tell their stories, but also like aesthetically really like focusing on what does that story mean when we're like, you know, um, literally documenting (laughs) <laughs> someone physically who's physically transitioned so um yeah you kind of like blew my mind a little <laughs> bit um just in thinking about it because you know i'm i'm observing right so like i'm i'm watching this experience um with with limited knowledge and so every now and then and i'm sure even as your your experience has grown and watching at different times you see and notice different things and so you just kind of brought me back to like, I think it was Jay that was saying that like his dad was teaching him like how to like 
how to do the performance, right? Um, and and how to, um, I guess what what you're saying is like how exactly. to do it authentically, right? So how to make sure that that I'm mm-hmm. doing it right. Um, and I know that for a lot of people, your film, YouTube videos, like all of those like different ways that you're kind of reaching out, even you know watching um, other men around you to figure out what your personal version of the man that you you are um, expressing gets to be shown to the world, right? (laughs) Um, And so I appreciate it. Just kind of that look into that process, as well as even what you're saying now, like there's so many things that I'm sure people appreciate it also. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I... It's what's beautiful about um, the documentaries that all three of us have been involved with is that, um, and what I appreciate about the approach to them is that what we're here to reveal is the love within a debate. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and those stories, those, 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 those love, the the nuances of being human, this is complicated. It's, 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 you know, all these different layers of us is really this, all we're reaching for the same thing is this love. We're all trying to reach for love. So that's all stories are. It's just a regurgitation of how to find, keep, love, you know, maintain, grow, <laughs> what mm-hmm. have you. And so when you have, you know, um, you're looking at someone who doesn't understand what it is to be a trans man, or to be a black trans man at that. Um, and you're telling me that you are a black man. And here I say I'm a straight black, cisgender black man. And I see and hear you tell this story about mm-hmm. your father expressing his love towards you in the form of showing you mm-hmm. how to be a man. That's something I now have to grapple with because that's touching everything. My relationship yeah. with my own, my mm-hmm. own father, whether I have one or not, my relationship with my father. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And if that brother can do that for his son, and even yeah. a little, even yeah. little girl he told me, he's like, oh, me and my father looked at me one time and was like, whoa, whoa, shit, you look yeah. like a nigga. He's like that, I'm, I'm <laughs> But like, <laughs> It's like, you look different. And showing how his father is changing by being in proximity to his son, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. by being in proximity to people, <laughs> that's what we humans naturally will do. By all fight and fury, mm-hmm. we will change. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so that's what I appreciated is that access, you allow them to tell their story, but also you was able to frame it so that other people can say, see themselves. That's the whole point. We're all here to be a mirror, like nothing mm-hmm. preaching. But, so you wind up, people wind up seeing themselves through mm-hmm. their story. Yeah, you guys have me thinking about like, the, like I said, every this, I, every time I think about Still Black and I revisit it, I'm, I think about it completely different. And I never really thought that deeply about Jay's story, and especially, especially what you're talking about, honey, for like the, relationship between the, the father and the son, how they both have to kind of change now and like, um, and what that means. I was like, yeah, it's really cool that he tells that story, but I never really like in depth thought about like what kind of conversation that brings up. And and now thinking about how um, all of the men talked about their parents um, and I've never really pieced that together at mm-hmm. all. Like I really thought about that at all. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty. Whenever you know, more people watch exactly. a film, more people exactly. see things. <laughs> That's the beauty. Yeah. 
it's out of your hands, you know? Yeah, at that point. One yeah. of the other stories that kind of um, stuck out to me was, I mm -hmm. think it's Kyler. That's the first, yeah, the first. first yeah, they had the old gentleman. Right. Um, around this concept of being accepted mm -hmm. professionally and um, accepted as an academic, accepted as um, in the, the field of law, right? Which is very much, you know, a boys club, you know, in a lot of ways and having to, um, to go against so much of what felt or what was natural in order to be accepted in a way that still didn't feel right, right? So he kind of talked about feeling like he was in drag, like putting on the the lipstick or the yeah. makeup, I think was a, a big point um, yeah. in the holes, right? <laughs> um, and so, I don't know, I, like those two, were the ones that kind of like gave me my biggest like dang moments. Us also with I think one of the was mm -hmm. disabled. Yes, and I don't think that we've had a lot of discussion about that experience mm -hmm. at all. In the context of being also seen mm -hmm. as a black man, mm -hmm. so, so even his him being disabled was wasn't trusted exactly. per se. Was it a scam? Like that story he tells of being he fell off like it's in the snow or something off to and he couldn't get himself off up you know upright on his chair. And he had a hard time asking people for help because they didn't know whether to trust his situation was mm -hmm. what the fuck it was. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he had to, you know, sh shift and figure out ways to communicate to them that he was safe enough. You know what I mean? Like it's you know, and so experiencing that as a yeah. man. How has this film changed for you, like years later? You're ten years mm -hmm. out now, right? Um, what do you, what were you thinking about it, like when you went into the process of it, and what does it feel like um, now? Yeah, if it's, I'm gonna start with the second half of that question. Now it feels, um, again, trans is so mainstream which is a good thing. Mm. Um, so in, the, in that regard, it's like, yay, there's like a more diversity, I guess. I mean, I'm lying about that. There's more voices, <laughs> uh, additional voices that are a part of the conversation. Um, and I'm glad that um, my little piece of work has definitely been able to contribute to that um, and has been a catalyst for a lot of conversations. So that's really freaking awesome. I'm really excited about that. Um, Mm -hmm. going into making it, I wasn't really anticipating this kind of contemporary wave, contemporary, only 10 years ago, this moment. <laughs> um, everything goes so fast that it was, again, just about really figuring out, like, who am I going to be? How can I see myself reflected um, in stories that are not being told? And how can I, <laughs> yeah, add to that? Um, narrative and also how can I do something that was not working on a dissertation so it was also an escape from school at the time but I was younger I had more energy my brain worked better <laughs> it was like you know we there's another conversation that's um, kind of been had online um, um, I've definitely been on threads you've been on where you've talked about this in regards to um, how trans men, in particular black trans men, 
how their placement in, in, in the conversation in the, in the in the larger conversation around um, uh, trans visibility um, mm. and, and in a lot of cases lack mm. thereof um, in particular around black trans men and you've been very vocal um, around this you know um, and this is and for one reason and I, this is one reason why I wanted to bring you on the show this is something that I've, I've expressed myself um, more so um, as far as um, you know, a cisgendered um, lesbian, masculine lesbian is that I, I, I mean, I, I bitch and I complain, but it's like, I just don't see myself. Like Lena Waithe cannot hold it down mm -hmm. every bitch out here. Like for really, I literally mm -hmm. do not see myself, you know, um, not in any true capacity. Um, and so when, when you sound off, I'm like, I feel you, <laughs> you know, I feel you in my context, but I feel you. Um, and so I wanted to have a conversation around this idea. Um, I've kind of dubbed, um, fear mm -hmm. of the black masculine. Um, and how that looks in the queer context, how that looks for, you know, why are we not seeing more black trans men stories, um, mm. interviews, I mean, <laughs> you know, any sort of visibility, you know, and why we're not seeing any um, black masculine lesbians um, in media. Yeah, in general. I think there's public mm -hmm. dialogue. Um, yeah, I think there's a link. I think that you're correct. There's a invisibility of both. Um, I hate the term cisgender, <laughs> I'm just put that out there because people, I think I feel like people expect me that I should have to use it, but I I have my, <laughs> I push back on that term a little bit. So I'm just gonna say um, non-trans people sometimes. So I think there's a, a link between um, trans, the, the ratio or invisibility of, of Black trans masculinity, um, as well as Black uh, queer masculinity um, for people who are not trans, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and some of those people, most of them are women. And I think it's, and this is just my opinion, because um, I, I don't have anything but my eyes and my lived experience um, and the what I'm observing happening, I think, in discourses of, or, or spaces of media and um, things that are being created. Um, I don't, I, I think that, yeah, I think that people aren't really interested in what black women have to say um, in a lot of ways, especially black queer women. Um, I think that there's, that's just like kind of been a general consensus, I think, in representation and media representations across the board. Um, and that's unfortunate. And I think that because in some ways people see, unfortunately, um, Black trans men as still being um, aligned or linked to or part of a Black queer women's community or identity, um, then that erasure kind of spills over both like kind of, you know, stories aren't being told in ways that I think that they should be or folks aren't being included in ways that they should be. Um, so that's a problem because I think it's, then it sees black trans men as not contributors to representation or that we are, you know, by default, uh, not really um, part of the trans community in a lot of ways. 
and that we're just still just like, you know, like lesbians, I think. And maybe that's not the best term to use, but maybe I think that's probably what people are assuming. Um, so there's that link. I wish I was a little bit more, had a better way to explain, I think, what's happening. Um, um, I, I think, I mean, no, no, um, let's breathe. Because I, I think, you know, this this is an era where we, we struggle mm -hmm. for vocabulary. Um, not just to find and seek new vocabulary, but to be comfortable with new vocabulary to, or choose to reject new vocabulary, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think you're expressing yourself fine. And, and I, you know, I, I used to also want to, you know, just say like, um, using the words that we're using to try to even talk about something that, I don't know, Red, I, you feel me? I'm kind of, I'm trying to, yeah, um, it's, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck. What I do is I always want to communicate. No, seriously, I'm keeping it yeah. real. So um, I make it a practice because there was a time that you know, like uh, you know, Courtney was saying, I didn't really care for the word cis, but I, for completely different reasons that one might think. I just associated it was a word associated. I associated with the right cis that was on my right ovary. And it was giving me a fucking pain. It literally was mm -hmm. a word association. It's like I refuse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, but then, you know, but then it's about my, also my choice to stay in proximity of new knowledge. So I just practiced and, you know, got the brain working and going, you know, um, I'm not exactly smooth with it. Um, but I am glad that you are free to say that that is not your favorite word, because then I can now adjust the way that I'm communicating mm -hmm. with you and reset. You know, that's okay. interesting that uh, someone <laughs> on, on yeah. I tweet a lot. And the reason why I'm not 100% sold on using the term cisgender and the ways that I discuss things um, is because it's still a new term. Um, it's only been used since like 1998 um, and has really evolved from cissexual cis, cis cis um, to cisgender. And though I think it's important and we, we sh language changes all the time. So who am I to say because it's new, it's not useful. I think the way that it's been used is in the pejorative. Um, it hasn't been a term that's like, it's, it's almost like being forced on, it's an identity being forced on people now. It's like, and in a way that I don't think it's been a compassionate, a compassion, I love the word compassionate, compassionate and productive way. Mm -hmm. It's been almost like you're cisgender now mm -hmm. and like, blah, blah, like kind of really aggressive. And so at least that's how I'm, I've observed it. <laughs> so I want mm -hmm. to be mindful mm -hmm. of how, people we want to have conversations with how we're prohibiting certain conversations from having because we're like, you don't know the language. And it's like the language is changing so much. Even I as a trans person don't know it. And so, but it's being used in a way like if you don't know what cisgender means, you're like automatically transphobic. And I think that's a problem. That's the way I, I see it going. And so that's why I've, I've personally um, do a little bit of pushback um, also because uh, my identity as a person who wants to pass as in for and that's my personal pursuit of happiness in life um, that mm -hmm. I'm now being called a binary trans person. I've never identified as that in my life. And what? so I understand now what it means to be 
this new identity being forced onto you in this really pejorative way. So it's like, oh, you're a binary trans person. You don't understand, you know, because non-binary is a, a um, an identity now that a lot of folks are really coming to terms with accepting who they are. Totally cool and fine. Um, but it has created a binary where folks are now like, you're a binary trans person. And so I think when new terms are created to explain our human experience, that is awesome and that's great. I don't like sometimes how it automatically creates this, this othering of folks in a really pejorative way. And I think that's what happens with cisgender. Um, so I sometimes, again, I use non-trans, um, but depending on the situation mm -hmm. I'm in, if I, if, you know, if people are comfortable with identifying as cisgender, like I'm a cisgender, but then I will use that, of course. Um, I think it's a great term to use in, in when we're like um, trying to explain, I think, oppression in some ways, but I don't think it's a good term to like label somebody as cisgender, as an identity now. That's a little bit. Um, yeah. Yes, so I, so yes, that's what, it, and yes, people like yes. go crazy. They're like, oh my God, you, you know, people didn't attack me for saying things. I'm just, I'm just like trying to be rational and pragmatic about it. I'm just like, well, you know, talk about as someone who has studied gender and like, that's what I got my PhD in. Like, I'm not even just, just making up shit. I'm just like this term, it's a newish term, but yeah. it's still like the literal meaning of it is something that is, um, linked with, um, I use the word pejorative because it, it literally, because a, a trans woman scholar has really popular, popularized the term um, in a book in 2007. Um, and it literally means um, the way she used it as people who think that trans people don't exist, pretty much. That's what cisgender kind of identity is. You assume that everybody is not a trans person. You assume Really? Yes. That's what it means? But I but I don't agree now. Now that we have trans so popular, I don't think people assume that everybody's a cisgender person now. So for me, that term, even though it's only been around for a short period of time, it's already dated. That's how I would explain it. And so mm -hmm. I, I don't think every yo, person, yo, man, I, I I don't think every person is like, oh my that. God, everybody is born, everybody is a cisgender person automatically. That's what I'm assuming. Um, I don't think that that's the moment now. There's so much trans visibility that people are aware <laughs> now that they may still assume people <laughs> like, they may never think that people are trans or maybe that's not the first thing that like, people are like, when they see somebody like, oh, that's, you know, but to say that um, now that people would assume that everybody is a cisgender person, I would push back on that. Um, and that's where I stand with the term and that's why I, I don't really use it um, okay. unless someone identifies as that. It's like, and I'm like, okay, I will then move forward with that. But And I, I want to kind of touch on something that, because Hanif and I have definitely had that um, issue on the show <laughs> um, before, or just, you know, that kind of pushback from, and I'll say not the community, not the viewership at large, but definitely like a specific um, part of the community that has that access. And we even said that like a lot of this stems from um, academia seeking to um, create the, cate the categories so that everybody mm -hmm. feels included. And then what happens is we get so focused on the categories that are made for inclusion that we start to create like other, exactly. like, as you're saying, like these... Um, 
this this other ring that's that starts to happen, even though our intention may have been something else. And so, like, I know the conversation about you know asking people their mm -hmm. their gender preference. Like, I was on it until somebody was like, no, like then you're adding people. Like you don't ask mm -hmm. everybody that, like you ask the people that you assume are trans and then that puts them in a horrible situation. I'm like, ah, okay, cool, mm -hmm. right? And then like, there are so many things that you would have to be in academia to to know what the the latest iteration of this is in order for you to not, do those missteps exactly. right but then everybody does not have the ability like we exactly. graduate like, exactly <laughs> and then what play. exactly what am i supposed to know if and then and then if you don't know exam you're like you're a horrible person and there's like no room for you to <laughs> not be a horrible person to be educated it's like and i think that's where i struggle with um a lot because you're very every the terms are academic um they emerge and they've been talked about in certain settings for a long time. And then, you know, a lot of folks who are in some sort of visible role are part of that academic community. And then, you know, then like kind of chastise others for not understanding that. Um, but yeah, I think that- And the, and the others are always the um, creative adjacent to mm -hmm. an academia. Exactly. <laughs> You know what I mean, and it's and it's and 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 the creators are always adjacent to mm -hmm. the everyday folk. And my question is always, who are you trying to communicate? What is mm -hmm. your in to? What's your intention? Is your intention to spread mm -hmm. the good word? Okay, is your intention to help change minds and hearts and like what are the actions you're taking to actually do that? And so where I usually press, it's like okay, let's see, we can do vocabulary all day long. You know, I'll see y'all in ten years, and what you thought was it now, there'll be a twenty year old going telling you that it's not, and then you gonna all of a sudden feel old, and you are gonna make old jokes mm -hmm. and so forth and so on, whatever. It's like it's just vocabulary, mm -hmm. it just changes, and we're just looking at the same thing, and but at the end of the day, what are we? Who are you trying to communicate to? Because if your intention is not to actually communicate, to relay a message, and to also receive one, then I don't. I don't really want to hear nothing you got to say. Exactly. That's when I shut down. It's, it's about it's, an, it's about the intent, you know. And I think I think they need to practice that more in academia. It's like as you as you as you learn new things, how do I not communicate that to mm -hmm. different kinds of people? If my intent is to communicate. Exactly. And, <laughs> and how do I like have, exactly, how do I get their input on deciding what the term means as well? <laughs> like, we're saying, that's what you are. It's exactly. like, why can I say, well, let me tell you what I am so that maybe we can come to some consensus about what the term means. So, and that's the, again, the beauty about being such a new term is that you, you it's still malleable. I think there's still room to, to make it mm. something, but um because those conversations aren't being had, it's that doesn't happen. But maybe that's just human nature in general. But uh. yeah, yeah. But still, the the point, our, our original point being this: we have your documentary, and we have shorter documentaries, I guess, that are out there. And all of that time is not enough. Why isn't there time? put to the black masculine image, the queer black masculine um, image? It's, I don't think we're that interesting. I don't think we're that sexy. That's an honest opinion. Seriously, I don't think, 
Every, I think <laughs> media, you know, like I think I'm sexy, but I don't think like I am like what <laughs> you know people want to consume. At least not yet. Um, and maybe we're a little bit ahead of our time. Um, but I think that like we've seen we've seen some kind of media representation of of black queer masculinity that aren't trans men. Um, it you know. In spaces, maybe not as much as um, I would. I would have to say the most visible people of Black trans identity is obviously women. Um, in terms of mm-hmm. movies, films, um, opportunity in a lot of ways, like uh, academic opportunity, like this kind of visible representation in a lot of spaces. So um, people don't even understand that trans men exist. And so I think that that is, so that that plays into it. They're like, oh my God, there's like other people that are trans that are not women um, that are black too. And I just don't think we, that's super fascinating to, to people. I think people are more interested um, in really pretty women. I think that that's what people are interested in in general, really pretty women. Um, and so, the idea of people who are born girls and that can grow up to become men is not as intriguing to people. Um, and I think that's that's a real honest <laughs> way of saying it. I just don't think yet. Um, and uh, But I think black gay men who aren't trans is still somewhat appealing. We have representation. We have like uh, Billy Porter on Pose. Uh, we have Moonlight. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. the director of Moonlight. Um, has been able to now make a, quite a number of um, works. I'm, I'm assuming um, working on a num- number of other like kind of spaces in, in Hollywood right now, um, and that's where I'm like basing most of my stuff, I guess, because that's the. I mean, but even if you all yeah, love Billy Porter, um, Lord, yes. Did you see that interest he did on Cope? Yeah, <laughs> so um, I just don't think that yeah people find us um, sexy and intriguing enough to to even have be included in certain first of all who are the who are these people and what is their proximity to us it's like but who exactly Exactly. is looking well if you're thinking about like and i'm just gonna say it because like try to dance around it it's not gonna work Mm -hmm. so if you're thinking about like mass media Mm -hmm. right or if you're thinking about Mm -hmm. like hollywood hollywood is interested Mm -hmm. in like exactly who is fuckable Right. <laughs> and for Hollywood, like the conversation around masculine women and trans men is something that they're not ready or prepared mm-hmm. to um, to touch. Right. But to, to your uh, point, Hanifa, like I was on a couple of the um, mm-hmm. like lesbian web series. Right. When it came down to who was getting booked like who was getting paid to do appearances and who was being flown like across the country to go you know to the different events the girls were not touched like and i won't say not at all but not definitely not to the degree of uh that the the boys were and i think that becomes for that circle you have a lot of feminine women who are, and people always kind of mm-hmm. pander to uh, feminine women for um, 
you know, for, as the, the the buyer, right? And so they were bringing out the masculine women to like pride events and all of that kind of stuff and paying them thousands of dollars to be there uh, to make appearances. Whereas like, not, and I'm not speaking for everybody, but a lot of the times when we were there, like we were there as a guest <laughs> of our friends. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But they knew their market. <laughs> right. And that's what I'm saying. So like who mm-hmm. what like who the buyer is is going to change like who exactly. is is considered desirable. Right? I don't know. <laughs> but, even, but 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 I'm trying to understand that where where trans women are getting a lot more visibility, at least within media, whether, whether it's in narratives or just or documentaries or what have you, all right? And this is an attempt to put the humanity on display. It's like, hello, these are human beings. That's what stories are for. I kind of feel as being like, oh, I don't know like where to go <laughs> with the conversation because it is like, it's, it's sensitive topics, right? People get very... Um, offended and defensive like when when they're being addressed right and especially if they feel like they're being addressed incorrectly um and so we want but then we never get to the conversation you know to to hurt nobody's feelings and and be all like be an asshole about it but also like how you teach people the new thing or like as Courtney was saying, like what the new terms are and, and you know what's considered appropriate at the time has to be addressed as well because you also will turn a lot of people away from your point um, because of your delivery mm-hmm. of the, but we, the backlash. But we can't get past <laughs> greetings. How the hell are we going to get to the mm-hmm. conversation? You know what I'm saying? It's like... I, look, I've been misgendered most of my life. I am not trans identified, but I've experienced being misgendered 95.6% mm-hmm. of my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I want some people I want to have conversations with. And I think a lot of times, a lot of conversations are inverted and they get pushed to the side because we're getting caught up in semantics and, and, and our character is being judged on those semantics and we can't get to talking to each other. You know, um, and learning the the body language, like we were saying earlier, all these cues that beyond language tells us who we are to someone else. And people can make more educated guesses. It's not just it's just not exactly. the literal language. People communicate, a, 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 you know, a, a myriad of ways and say, this is who I am. This is how I want to be addressed. You know, and that's just that's the straight folks too. Let's go to old school. That's the straight folks too. It's like fuck. With, it's like stop getting hook up, hung up. On someone telling you, you address me as he. Stop getting hooked up with the fucking world. If that nigga is giving you he nigga, then you give him he nigga energy back. <laughs> At the end of the day. Exactly. But then too, like, but, if, but going back to the film, and this is one thing that like, I definitely, I have been in the, you know, in a relationship where my partner mm-hmm. was starting to transition, right? Um, and so a lot of the points from from Courtney's film, like they were memories, right? They were like aha moments. They were they were relevant for me because I do remember like having to have that discussion about like, okay, well, who am I now? Like, what is my identity now that my partner is transitioning? I also understand like some people 
need you to get the the pronoun right right for safety reasons for for their own identity for their process but there are other people who ain't tripping right you cannot mm -hmm. make the decision for people that they're going to be one or the other right and that's where you your point of having the conversation comes in because if you're not talking to people individually then you don't get to to find out if they still okay with what you calling them, you know, with, with mama calling them Pookie, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Whatever that name is, you don't get to find out where they are in their experience. Um, I know my wife, we have a, a friend who is a, a trans man. She struggles so much because she met this person as a woman, even as a masculine woman, they had their relationship as being masculine identified women. And so her process of unlearning that, like she will beat herself up so much because she wants to honor our friend's transition, but sometimes she'll say she, and she's like, ah, shit, like, dang. And I'm like, yo, like, it's okay. Like you have to go through that process as well. Like you, and I was so glad I heard that in the movie, like you need to afford your people as much time to, to go through the process mm -hmm. of you becoming a man as you had, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, there are, you know, it is a, a slippery slope, right? It is a, a tricky thing because sometimes you just want to be right and you have this good intention, mm -hmm. you mess up. Sometimes exactly. you are doing that shit to be an asshole, right? Sometimes you are saying it because you're 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 a horrible person and you're just trying to be mean to people, right? Sometimes it's just a damn accident. I know going like being at a restaurant i don't know how uh servers are going to like figure out a concrete way to navigate walking up to the table hey ladies how y'all doing blah 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 right <laughs> like my my ex would get so uh, like angry about being misgendered whereas you know hanifa is not gonna have a problem with this you know people are like hey guys you know because that's something that you've decided. And quite honestly, sometimes I let people just just fly in the wind. You know, there's times I've gone through a whole dinner just keeping the dinner the dinner setting. I've gone through a whole dinner to this nigga still thinking I'm going to pick up the check. <laughs> and when my partner and when my partner feels like I can see like his eyebrows, like oh, is this some new kind of couple thing or and everything? I was like, I don't give a fuck if the nigga don't get it. I'm not here for him. I'm here with my woman. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and it was her treat. I don't need to explain that to a motherfucker. <laughs> because he got this whole narrative like, okay, he's peeping me as a dude. He still hasn't picked up any of my cues. I got the most feminine hands in the world. I couldn't make these shits masculine if I tried. Okay. But he ain't picking up no cues. So it is what it is. But I just, because in the end, it's about my peace. And I define how my peace is going to be made or if someone's going to fuck it up. And I can't let someone misgendering me every time fuck fuck up my peace because I'm just gonna have dinner. And and that and it's not intentional. He's going through his whole rigmarole because he was raised thinking whatever, and it's like, and so he's over here judging me, but I'm laughing because you judging me because you think I'm a nigga. <laughs> so why? And even that's too much of time. You know what I mean? So it's like that can't be applied to everyone, but everyone, as we say that our family members have to grow with us, we also have to honor our own growth and understanding ourselves and dealing with the rest of the world. Otherwise you'll be, you're going to constantly feel alone. 
I mean, and that's something all of us have to do, whomever we are, and how we're going to mm-hmm. navigate this bitch. Because we don't know what the world's going to throw at us. So there's things you got to, you know, deal with head on because they got to be dealt with, <laughs> you know. But then sometimes you get like, you know what, this is more funny than serious. I'm going to let this be funny and keep moving and have dinner and yeah. keep my peace. No road rage today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do want to say, Courtney, I'm so, so thankful that um, you were able to join us today. Like, you know, you and I go way, way back to your early acad- <laughs> academic career in Chicago. Yeah. And so I'm just so proud of you and, and everything that you've been doing business-wise and your you, your multiple businesses and the the work that you're doing in, in tech well, 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 and update us still. what yeah, are you um, doing i so last time i think we chat we were, i was building aerial spaces which is something similar to this it's a video tool for um virtual events um but we also have an app where we uh have users pull their spare change together to, to bail people out of jail. So it's called Appalachian. Um, what can uh, you find out about that? You can go to appalachian.us, A-P-P-O-L-I-T-I-O-N dot U-S. Um, that's what I'm doing. Um, I also, um, in my spare time, have a Patreon where I kind of give like, my advice and social commentary <laughs> on things that happen in the world. Um, that's mainly just for kind of a personal, <laughs> it's not necessarily like a business related thing, but um, just kind of a personal, trying to keep up with the content creators of the world. Um, but yeah, just really focused on trying to continue to build an empire. <laughs> Say word, I speaking of Patreon, you know where we be at, we're also there, we all know our Patreon. So we got patreon.com slash gay aunties. We really are looking for our Sunday brunch folks to roll with us um, last Sundays of the month. We can see and hear each other. And also, if we want us to answer your questions and needing of advice about life, love, and the complicated, you can holler at us at yagayantis at gmail.com. And of course, we're on um Instagram as well. You can DM us there as well. Thank you, Courtney Ziegler, um, for your time and brilliance. And um, you can get Still Black at blackstarmedia.org. All right, y'all. This is Hanifa Walita. And this is Red Summer. And we are...